Welcome to the Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast with psychologist Dr. Doreen Downing. Listen in as Doreen interviews people who felt they didn't have a voice or who suffered extreme speaking anxiety. You'll hear stories about how they struggled to speak up, what they did to find their authentic voice, and the confidence they now feel to speak up and make an impact. If you want to get started right away to find your voice, download Doreen's free 7-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. And now, here is Doreen. Hi, I'm Dr. Doreen Downing, and this is your Find Your Voice, Change Your Life podcast series, where I interview people who have some sort of early life experience that in some way stop them from being more truly who they are. Holding themselves back, their voice was unrecognized, unheard in such a way that they didn't know they had a voice. So somewhere along the line, and this is what we're looking at today, is people finding their voice. And when they find their voice, there's so much more, what, energy, aliveness, and purpose, and effect, impact on the world. So today, I have Lee Glickstein, my friend, my mentor, my training partner for over 20 years, And I'd like to interview you, Lee, and have you share with us more about the details of your early life experience and how you think that that really played a part in you feeling like you couldn't be heard. So thank you for being here and for your willingness to share today, Lee. Thanks for asking me, Doreen. My pleasure. So let's first, let's start there. Uh, you had some kind of anxiety, I imagine, because you developed a whole program around uh, Speaking Circles International, which is uh, definitely well received in this world as a place to learn how to tap into the voice. So, but you didn't have it in the beginning. What happened? By the way, I still have the anxiety. Look at my nails. <laughs> but I don't have anxiety around speaking. Well, I had the world's worst stage fright till I was in my late 40s, and I trace it back to, as you say, childhood. I was born the youngest of two children into a house where there was not much listening going on. But that's what I, how I see it now. You know, I wasn't seen. I wasn't really um, appreciated. And it was not a happy place to find my voice. And anytime I did try to use my voice, I could get squelched by a bullying older brother or glared at by a father who didn't want to be bothered. <laughs> so I grew up without being, without having um, a capacity to, to speak up. I was uh, bottled up and I just became this very sweet, nice bowl of chubby boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're laughing because it's a distant memory and you have so far recovered, but it is, it can be painful to, to be in a family that doesn't welcome us, welcome the spirit of who we truly are, doesn't see us, doesn't say, yay, you, and yeah. give space to be you. And uh, the, the whole idea about being bullying, I hear that a lot from people. But to have it be right there in in the next what room with your brother in the same household uh, bullying you. Oh, my gosh. Well, he would be uh, we have bunk beds and he'd be in the Yeah, the upper bunk. And he would do things like saying rhyming words. Every <laughs> few minutes. I mean, he was he was there 
to mess me up. I mean, that was his job. I could laugh about it now because he did a good job because it lasted for quite a while that I, I didn't have the sense of knowing, of having a voice. That, that sort of comes down to when you don't get listened, you don't have a voice. Yes, I think there's something about uh, being received, being heard that makes you feel like, oh, yes, my voice, I, I can, I feel it because in it, it's the whole idea, I think, of speaking circle, that somebody's listening and you speak into their listening, which is what you devised was what we call speaking circles. <laughs> yeah, what I had to do when I realized that I needed to work on this, I was in my 40s. And I was just uh, not being able to uh, function in the world. I knew I had something to say. I didn't know what it was. And uh, I, I really got stage fright speaking to any one person, like looking right now into your eyes. I wouldn't be able to do that, even on Zoom. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, So what I needed to do was to, I realized, was to create something. Because I noticed every so many other people had this uh, public speaking anxiety, the stage fright, this deer in the headlights. And what I needed to do was to make it, uh, was to ask the my listener to do something, to listen. Oh. To, so I created what became speaking circles where I would ask the audience if it was, you know, could have been six, seven people, uh, everybody just be with me, be with the person up front with soft, steady gaze of kind regard. That's what the instruction was. And that the instruction for the person up front, whether it be for a minute or three minutes or five minutes, is to put your entire priority on noticing the listening. And, you know, I, I used to think that my block in speaking was that I didn't know how to speak. I was a block in speaking, but it was a block in receiving the available listening, I realized in my late 40s. So I began to, uh, train audiences to listen in a way that a person like me, I didn't know it was going to be me because it took me five years of helping other people through it before I subjected myself to it. I was that far gone. But the idea being that you get up in front of the room and all you do is you be with one person at a time into their kind regard, their gaze of kind regard. So all you're getting is a look of it's okay. It's okay. People aren't going, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. they're not responding to the content. We never respond to the content. And discovered that with a one minute and a three minute and a five minute turn in this practice, we begin to trust the listening when it's there. And then ultimately learn how to go into an, a new audience and allow the listening by being there for it. I'm here. And then not everybody kicks in. But if I look at somebody in an audience and somebody is giving me what looks like a dirty look, I don't take it seriously. I don't know. They might be thinking about their own brother. I don't know. But um, the, point, the point being that I can get the listening if I stand there and receive it. So public speaking becomes a matter of public listening is how I solved it and how I solved wow, it. Wow, that is so different than most any public speaking training programs out there. This is, and I've, I've been a recipient of it, and it's what changed my whole relationship to speaking, is learning that it's about 
generating a listening in the people who are listening to you. And it's, uh, but you first have to have a safe place to have listeners who aren't trying to judge you or up, you know, to do something that's might be negative. If we just have a judgment free zone and have these, what what you call speaking circles uh, and stand in there and just be receiving luxurious, uh, full-on, undivided, positive, appreciative listening. Wow. Beautifully put, Doreen. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think it's magic, and I think that it's beyond magic. It's I think if people put in wires on our heads and measured it, we would see that it's so transformational, so transformational to be turning speaking upside down and having ourselves be not the biggest speaker in the room, but the biggest listener. <laughs> ah, the listening leader. You're leading the listening. Ooh, I like that. I think many of us know there's not enough good listening in the world. Yes. And that we have to support the listening uh, in order to allow the intelligence to come through other people's voices. Yeah. Well, tell me more just what's going on currently with you and what you're offering. Well, a year ago, I had to figure out how to do this on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I was just creating something, you know, for a few months till we got back to uh, not social distancing. Um, but so it, it seemed like uh, there would be a way to do it by Zoom, but it required some uh, ingenuity, some innovation. And it, within a few months, me and some uh, and the other people who were doing this, we found a way to to create a speaking circle on a virtual on a virtual platform that works just about as well as live. In fact, I'm not sure I want to go back to schlepping schlepping my camera equipment around and doing speaking circles in businesses and homes. When I could stay home and do it internationally, I had some a speaking circle with somebody in South Africa and somebody in, with, in India and someone in Vermont and a few of us in California. And we've learned how to use the Zoom room to listen by calling names during our turn. Mm -hmm. So if, I, if it's my turn and I'm speaking to someone who's looking at me on the screen, and after 15 or 20 seconds, I say, so Doreen, and I look at Doreen and Doreen hears her name and she looks in the camera. Mm -hmm. And now I'm speaking to Doreen for 15 or 20, just like in an in-person circle, we wouldn't spend more than 15 or 20 seconds with a person. And here, so, and then I'll say, so John, and then I look at John on the screen and John is in the camera, looking at the camera. So I have John, by John, so Doreen, what I have, is a full turn being with eyes every step of the way. And as we started doing this, we thought, well, of course you're not really looking at the person when you go into the camera. Yeah. So it's sort of weak, right? Mm -hmm. But then what we discovered was that you can look into the camera in a diffuse, loving way and sense the connection. It's like imagining you're on the phone with somebody and people do great therapy on the phone. Uh, no problem, they're present. And here it's like you're on the phone, you're listening to them on the phone and they have your eyes mm -hmm. and they're seeing your eyes. So it's telephone plus. 
Yes. And what I get is that the the person who is giving the eyes and looking at the camera lens, there's a way of dropping down into the sense of them being really present in the moment. That's that's what I hear you saying, that uh, that even giving your eyes to a lens, even though you aren't eye to eye with the person, helps train you to drop down, be present. Yeah. Well, I noticed that when I uh, I open these with some little breathing exercises, like go down to the stillness inside and feel your inner spaciousness. And what I notice when I lead this exercise, my voice goes down an octave. <laughs> and I'm speaking from down here. And the whole the whole circle, people tend to speak from a deeper from a deeper place when they're when they're being with the camera, knowing that the people they're looking at through the camera are getting the advantage of their eyes. It's very intimate. And in some ways it's more intimate than an in-person circle. Some people have said, because, because of the screen, the distance, the, that you're not in the same room, there's less, pre- there's less of that you know, in the flesh pressure of, of people. So you can almost do be more, uh, almost more intimate, more present to yourself. Yeah. On the I, Zoom. Think, I think what you're saying, when we're face to face, there's might be some wires in our brain that our animal brain <laughs> goes, Ooh, we're really close, flesh and flesh. But even as you spoke, I, I really got, and maybe we can say this to the folks who are listening, that. When you drop down, I felt myself also drop down so that your tone, you talked about listening and leading. It's like, in a way, you're speaking, it leads people to a deeper sense of who they really are. Right. When you're speaking from this place, first of all, because I'm going down here another level because we're talking about it. When I'm speaking from down here, my belly the words are so much easier coming out. Yeah. I almost feel the melody of them. You know, this is what magnetism is, you know? Uh, so it feels good and I'm clearer because I'm not f- jumping, I'm not falling over myself trying to get something out like we do in normal conversation often in normal communication. And then, yeah, you're right. As people hear this from the person who's running facilitating and then other people are going down there and new people who come usually go at the end i put wait for the like there's a newcomer at the end by the time they go they can't help but be down here too because the whole the whole room is in a field of listening and clarity and no rushing Mm. sounds so beautiful so how do people find you uh, well, they email Lee at speakingcircles.com or they go to Speaking Circles International. Speakingcirclesinternational.com or Lee at speakingcircles.com if they want to find their voice in such a way and learn how to drop down and find the strength, the inner strength to 
show up fully in any environment, whether it's a work or relationship, expressing yourself, your authentic, loving self to somebody, perhaps. <laughs> so it's not it's not just public speaking. We're every every moment we're on a on the stage called life. I'm glad you brought that up because, of course, it transfers to one-on-one conversation. It transfers to business. This is how we want to talk in business, eye to eye, easy, not up here. So, yes, it it applies to everything, all communication in life. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I I feel refreshed just talking (laughs) to you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. Thank you, Doreen. Appreciate it. Thank you for being with us today for this episode of Find Your Voice, Change Your Life. Each person during interviews shares what has helped them find their voice. You can learn from these guests and find your voice so you can be confident to speak up and speak out. And remember to download Doreen's free seven-step guide to fearless speaking at Doreen7steps.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and will return next time. Until then, goodbye for now.